YouTube owns something that no other social media platform owns right now, which is long form attention. And for business owners, that is huge. The baseline of our strategy is off of a binge watching experience, not just to get someone in to watch one video, but to get them hooked with one video to watch another and another and another, and then finally get ready to do business with you. As Gary Vee says, jab, 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 right hook, right? Like give, 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 and then ask. So on long form for YouTube, for example, have one give at the end of your first video, give. At the end of the second video, give. At the end of the third, give. At the end of the fourth, that's the time to ask. Welcome to the Ravi Abuvala Show, where we show you how you can build a business that produces cash without you, so you can live the life you deserve. So Max, I ask everybody the exact same question. First question when they get on here, what is one of the simplest decisions that you've ever made that has made everything else in your business easier? <laughs> this is, people are not going to believe this answer, but I, I swear to be true is actually going through scaling with systems. <laughs> I, I hate to say it. Perfect. But like, All right. I know, and everybody, people are just like, oh, next podcast. <laughs> but no, seriously, I think just, especially in the very, very beginning when the, I, the beginning is so crucial because that's when you need momentum. And if you don't have a momentum, if people are, you know, I'm sure people watching this have tried to run a business and maybe did not have success with it, that can be extremely discouraging. And getting momentum right there in the beginning um, is, is so, so important. And I had a little bit of momentum with a totally different business model, which maybe we'll get into, um, that, that was working. But then I wanted to be able to remove myself from the day-to-day. -day, and that's literally what scaling with systems is all about, is being able for you to leverage your strengths and delegate anything else that's time-consuming and just not honing you. Uh, yeah. huge. Uh, I that's might get the best answer so far out of all those <laughs> questions. Uh, and I remember after, like literally, it was like first 14 days or something, you you started cashing in. What was like the numbers yeah. like when you joined? We pivoted the offer a little yeah. bit, and then it was like gas, right? In the very beginning? Yeah. So, gosh, that was years ago. Years ago. So really, it's kind of hard to remember. Yeah, I think in the first month, we made 15K. Yeah. And I think it was first Which 30 was just days, a nuts made amount of money at that time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean... Imagine like because before that I was I was working honestly I was working with you with, uh, with you and then I, right exactly yeah. so I had a job and imagine like making fifteen k right from from going from a job where you're not making fifteen k you're sure. making like maybe half that um, to doubling it and then delegating it I mean Jesus like <laughs> people need to wake up to that and and that's why I I get so like surprised when. Um, I talk to people and they're they're hesitant to get into it, which I understand like totally. Um, hesitant to get into entrepreneurship, sure. But when you see like what kind of lifestyle and what kind of impact or income you can be gaining, it's looking back on it, it's such a no brainer. But I also completely understand when people want to like like take the safe safe side. Well, I don't even think like, so, you know, so for people that just to give a little context, Max, uh, went to college with me at Florida state. We yeah. separated on our own yeah. and then, uh, came back to me a few years later. He was running his own business in like the film and video working yep. with like, uh, was it Jaguar or Aston Martin or Aston Martin, yeah. Bugatti, Walmart. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge brand shooting some epic, epic, uh, content for them. And then you were like, yo, let's, uh, partner up and I'll help you blow up your brand. Uh, and you were my uh, first Jack back when it was like, yeah, a max not being yeah. a jack and uh but i will say that uh that 
although you're like, hey, why people don't jump in, I, I will probably say that obviously scaling systems, uh, you said was pivotal, which I think is awesome and thank you for the compliment. But also you probably learned a lot just going, because your previous business was like, one-on-one, you'd shoot the content, you know what I mean? And then like, I think when you came into our world and scaling with systems, you know, although you weren't the entrepreneur yet, uh, and maybe you weren't earning the money you wanted to yet, that was probably kind of pivotal into, and and you can, if I'm putting words in your mouth, you can stop me, but that was kind of pivotal into then eventually launching the business, right? Yeah, for sure. And and I, I saw it being one of two ways, because I, I grew up being the guy with a camera in my hands, like always, still am, funny enough, even though I haven't, I run a company called Videoing Experts and I haven't edited a video <laughs> in a very long time um, because I have people who are now way more talented than me doing it. Sure. Um, but I, I bring that up to say, I used to be the guy hands on the camera all of the time, like you guys. <laughs> and um, and when I was shooting those videos um, or photos, I was doing photo and video for all those brands we mentioned, I, I really looked forward and I wanted to believe I, I was going to go down the route of being the next like Paul Nicklin or Chris Burkhardt, if the photographers in the house yeah, know who like, those I'm names no are. Who these people these are. are massive photographers who make honestly a lot of money doing what they do and a lot of impact too. They're they're honestly like famous photographers. Cool. And I I could have seen that being the route, but um but I'll never forget it was just some random social media post. Scott something online. I I never bought anything from him, but he had this one video that was such a banger. And I remember today where he talked about imagining your business on a type of wheel. And most business owners are running their business with this wheel going on and they have to push for that wheel to continue to go. And they have to push and push and push for that wheel to move at all. But he's like, imagine if you could set up your business to push once and then it just goes and goes and goes. And maybe a little bit later or a long time later, you push a little bit more. And then you let go. Because in fact, if you touch it again, you're going to add friction and it's going to slow that wheel down. Yeah. And it was just this massive light bulb moment for myself where I was like, I could go down that famous photographer route, but I could probably have more impact and even a better lifestyle if I tried to pivot myself. And I had no idea what that looked like. I just was like, how can I make that happen? You know, And that was a really pivotal moment. It was like a 15 or 30 second Instagram video. And I, I'll never forget, it. it was a big, big moment. And then that ultimately led to scaling with systems and, and working with you. And and you know, I, I like I said, I had no idea what the hell to do. So I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing until I figure it out. But but you kind of did. I and I what I for people that are listening to this right now, because I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs, and I know we have a lot of like entrepreneurs, like the yeah. people that are inside companies that probably could run their own business, but totally have a lot of impact by like working with a larger company and resources. Yeah. And then there's also the people that want to get into entrepreneurship as well. And I think one of the things I always commend you for, um, and it's been awesome to watch your success so far. Um, and you're just an awesome person to be around, man. I, and for those of you that don't know, Max is also one of my closest friends. But I would say that one of the things that you did is you took your skill set that you already had, which was photography, videography, creating yeah. a brand, creating a story, and you pivoted into this world, which is the online world, essentially, yeah. uh, and came to work for us at Scaling with Systems. And so a lot of people listening to this right now, like I don't think you necessarily have, if you're in that world that's separate from this, you don't have to learn a whole new skill to come over into this world. You know, I would imagine a lot of people listening to this probably want to be in this world, right? The online world, making money online. And you took your skills that you had previously and leveraged them inside of here, which I thought was always amazing. And then after you had worked with us for a year or a year and a half or two years, I honestly don't really remember how long we worked together. What are you leading to? (laughs) uh, After that happened, then you 
struck out on your own mm -hmm. and you did something really similar to what you were doing with us, yep. which is obviously video editing experts. Yep. Um, and so I think you kind of played your strength throughout the entire process. The solo business owner, uh, like almost like solo freelancer really. Yep. And then the working with a company is honing it, getting it even better, and then eventually launching out on your own and then launch the video expert. So you'd say that that was pretty much the same, you learn new skills, but that all started with the core foundational skills that you took, that you love from the very beginning, yes, right? Yes, exactly. And I'm the walking proof of someone who can go from a freelancer to running a relatively large company now um, and do so successfully. And and you you were talking about skills before, and I, I want to say this because a lot of freelancers will get into what they do because they love what they do. Like for me, it was, I loved shooting videos. I'm sure that you guys could probably agree. You love like the content creation side of things. Um, for me, if you look at the every single task that you have to do in order to create content, um, video editing was actually my... <laughs> It was probably my least, least favorite. favorite right? it, was, it was actually my least favorite. Yeah, I'll just say that. It was probably my least favorite. I can't think of anything else that I like <laughs> that I didn't like more, which my team is like, what the <laughs> hell, Max? No, but they actually know that. And I, I think the big thing is, you know, a lot of freelancers kind of get blinded by their passion. And I think it's good to not, I think it's good to go for your passion, like go down that direction, but not, but not get not get blinded by it. Like look at look at the market and what they're demanding. I remember you and I had a really good talk one time talking about how pivotal video editing was starting to become. And that was right when entrepreneurs were really starting to leverage videos for their brands. This and was like right before COVID. This is this was the year before COVID. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 2018. Yeah. And so that's when we were like, um, that's when we were like, well, let's let's look at what type of you know demands the market is currently having. And and I remember we were talking about like uh, brand direction, branding, right? Um, we were talking about uh, shooting, right? Like setting up the video, getting the shots, right? That was honestly like some of my favorite parts is like the directing and getting the shot. Then it was the editing. Then it was the scheduling, social media management, posting, managing comments, resharing, data analytics. You know, you name it. Honestly, I loved the analytics. I loved the directing, and I loved the shooting. But that editing part, I was like, man. I don't like it. And you were, I remember you saying, I don't like it either. Yeah. I think a lot of people really don't, don't like, like it. it. We should find a good solution for this. And that's when I was like, I know that, you know, while this is my least favorite part of this whole list, this is so much better than, you know, when I was working in New York on in finance and like fucking hell, like pushing paper, like it put like going to the fax machine like compared to editing videos, I was like, I'll do what I have to do to, to do ultimately what I love to and do. And I want to touch on that a little bit more, and I'm happy you brought up that conversation you and I had because like this is a really great value point for everyone that's listening that is, you said it really well, the freelancer who's doing what they love and want to maybe become the quote-unquote the business owner. And sometimes those two things don't correlate, uh, you know, one-to-one, -one, right? right? So you loved content. The thing you loved the least amount of the thing you loved, which was the editing, ended up being the main business that you ended up building. Yes. And that was because uh, when you and I, I remember we were walking along San Diego, we are having a yeah. conversation. Um, and can you walk people through about the original offer? So we talk about offers a lot on here. Yeah. How scalable they are, yeah. you know, uh, how profitable they are. Yeah. Let's walk through a little bit of what the original offer you were thinking about doing. You and I had that conversation. You came up with like, well, what about video editing? And then obviously you were kind of able to, to remove yourself from there. Do you remember, do you know what conversation I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Be um, because <laughs> the offer that I wanted to bounce off of Ravi was the offer that he immediately said no to. <laughs> uh, the offer was, hey, I want to 
basically get myself, who is like a creative director, um, in person with people and be able to place them uh, with folks all throughout the U.S. So if you were in San Diego, then I would find some type of person and put them in in person with you. Uh, and you were like, absolutely not. That's not <laughs> scalable. Uh, it's it's not even that profitable. Um, like there's there's got to be another way. And so that's when we just went with the video editing route. Um, and and I remember I was I pushed back so hard because you know I came from full content creation, right? Like like I said, branding first and foremost, directing, shooting, editing, uh, scheduling, posting, posting, managing, analytics, the whole freaking nine yards. I'm probably missing even a couple of steps, but those are the main ones. Um, and I, when it came to the offer, this is the really important part. And and for whoever's watching this, especially for the creative folks, list off every single step, and then probably identify just one thing to really go hard in. Even though I was passionate about the whole pie, Ravi, you had great advice that was like, dude, just really focus down, like niche down to scale up, which we've all heard before. But like, go hard in this one area that the market is telling you they need. And that was the big that was the biggest takeaway is like, just go hard at the editing. And so I remember pushing back. I was like, no, but I want to encompass like graphic design, or I want to encompass uh, the directing, or the analytics, or the posting. And you're like, no, just say no to these people. They they'll even ask you for to post for them and say no to them. And I just kind of went on the whim, and I was like, okay, fine, I'm going to listen to Ravi. He makes more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I listened to to you, and uh, it was the best decision. Being able to like be on a call with someone who's inquiring about your services, and them saying. Um, hey, do you also do this thing? And saying no, yeah. they look at you in such a different way. Instead of you being the uh, jack of all trades, like no <laughs> pun intended, but uh, like instead of being this person who can do everything, just specialize in one thing. And then over time, like I, I always thought, I'm going to start with the editing, and someday I'm going to get to these other things. But I need to, I need to solidify a brand credibility here in this space and dominate this specific niche. Which we work with business owners. We could be working with like weddings or or events or whatever, but we work with business owners specifically. Uh, I wanted to be known as that person with video editing entrepreneurs. And now we get to work with like pretty epic people. Yeah. And, and by the way, now we are. With a massive team, and we do have the full range. Sweet. So, so now we are in the directing, the branding, the every, and you place everything. creative assistance as well with people, which we've have, we've, and we do it virtually. So, yeah. and, which is a big, big huge, ass huge, deal. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like huge aspect of it was like, and I all of that was so valuable. I was even writing down notes as well. I think one of the big things you said there. And even we struggled at scaling with systems. I think that's sometimes the nice benefit of that, like you know, me being able to come to you and like. Telling you, hey, don't do the other one. Do the video editing one because that's just because I've made my own fuck ups in my own business. You right. know what I mean? And even in scaling with systems, I know that for a while we used to promise everything. You want yeah. anything done in your business, we'll take care of that for you. And so, like, I just realized that over over time, it's not very scalable. It's not very profitable. Every single person you have to hire has to be like. So imagine, like, you know, you, a Max or an Ari or a Jack. Like finding those people all around the is fucking difficult. Like really hard. Making sure they're quality. Making sure they 
they show up on time? Like, and so instead of doing that, it, you're able to specialize in one thing, yes. finding video editors. That's a remote job. You can get them anywhere around the world. I know you have people, we've hired people from you in, in the United Kingdom. I know you have people in Southeast Asia as well. And so you were able to go US, really, really, South US, America, yeah, everywhere. literally everywhere, every country, every country, and you almost were, every country, you were able to go super specialized in it um, and master that niche. And you've worked with some really, really amazing people. And then you started to add the additional kind of product suite to it. So as, as we transition this conversation a little bit, I want to get into kind of the business side of things. So we talked about the offer, kind of the trans, uh, the yeah. transition of the offer, uh, how it went, at, even the transition of you from a freelancer mm -hmm. to a business owner. Mm -hmm. um, and now I kind of want to talk a little bit more about uh, how you started structuring the products, the packages. You started building monthly recurring revenue, which yep. is awesome. Like that's amazing to see in a business. So like, all right, we decided video editing experts. Uh, we decided you're going to do video editing. How did you decide like what your price point was going to be? How did you decide how many videos do you let somebody like? Do they get a hundred revisions? Is it a million revisions? Like, yeah. what did that look like for you to be able to package? it and then price it to be like, cool, this is my sustainable, scalable offer I'm going to sell everybody else. Yeah. So in the very, and this is one of my biggest mistakes in the beginning, which is so important for people uh, to take note of. I think even I, I still try to take note of this is, um, is price yourself higher. Like stop competing to be the cheapest option. It doesn't do anybody any good. Most importantly, it doesn't do yourself any good. Um, because when, when the client is looking to pay you Cheaper than someone else, um, it's they're they're looking at you in a totally different way. They're looking at you with less credibility. So, how do you get someone to pay you more and to pay you premium? Um, which I'm I'm always competing to be the most premium offer. I'm not here to just try to you know have a, a great solution. And don't get me wrong, like we're not pricing ourselves like crazy out the door. Yeah. That would be silly. Um, but what what I am here to do is make things and and the way that you price yourself premium, at least in my opinion, and what I've also learned from you. And, and so it's, it's funny, like I learned from your experiences and then I have my own and I try to merge them too. And, and what I've landed on is being just easier and faster than everyone else. Easier. How can you make your process so much easier than every single other option out there? Because even if there's one other option that's easier than you, the people will find that option, they'll talk about it, and then they get the market share. What about being faster? If you can just be one of those, fantastic. Especially in a creative field, yeah. you need to be easier. You need to be because I know you even mentioned this too. You're like, listen, like I'm creative with some things, but some things, most things, I'm not <laughs> creative with, right? So when we're working with entrepreneurs who either are or are not creative, just got to make it easy. Number two, speed, being fast, right? And especially in a creative world with content, and this goes for honestly any business, like like fitness or uh, advertising, you you name it. Uh, travel, you have to be faster than all the other competitors. Right when you can assure that your client or customer is going to be getting an easier and faster product, that's when you can lay down the premium price and be like, of course, like, yes, this is premium, but think about how much money you're saving here or how much money you're making here. What were some that's of the examples huge. of the ways that you made video editing yeah. a seemingly non-sexy, <laughs> right. non-premium product and do something that was premium and um, that you were able to make easier and faster for people going through? Because I was a client of, I was, I probably was your first client or one of your first clients, one of us, right? One of our first. Yeah, first, yeah. Sure. So yeah. like, and I, I agree, the process was amazing. It was smooth. I remember the uh, And we had forms. so many mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that's Time. But like, but yeah, so, so how, what were some of the things that you did in order to go like, okay, like what was a bottleneck that was presented itself? And you're like, all right, this is how we make it easier. This is how we make it faster. Oh man. Um, you know, be, be confident in your, be confident in your process, but have, 
have um, open ears the whole way through. Um, for example, when those clients were like, hey, I see that you do editing or I see that you do this specific service, but can, can you also do this? I was saying no, but I was always writing down what they asked for. Why is because I knew that at some point I did want to offer that, but I didn't want to just blast it off to the public immediately. I probably wanted to start with a few people at first, get some market feedback directly, probably from people who already know and trust me as a credible source, and then launch it off to the public thereafter. And that's, I mean, we're talking about years of, of doing this. Like yeah. it was the first, yeah, the first few years we only did editing, and and then we got thumbnails on. Um, which was a big deal at the time because we were like, oh, we're adding in something that's not editing. Um, but it was pivotal to, to the success. And then we started doing a little bit more and more. But that was after we really established it. And we had, like I said, we were confident in our word, but we were listening the whole way through to get that uh, that market feedback. So market feedback on the sales side, on the client success side, what were, how were you speeding up the process of video editing? Like physically, did you have yeah. forms? Did you have, did you use Asana? Was it Trello? How did you make it so that the client could just be like, hey, here's my video, and then they get back everything that they ever wanted? What did that look like? Because I know in the creative <clears throat> agency world, yep. that's a really difficult to do. Yes. You know, I remember even working with you in skill systems, like, and yep. I'm trying to figure out, like, there's so many ways that we can go. Yep. I, I, edit it, captions, colors, brand colors, like, so when you're in a world, in the creative world, which is seemingly unlimited possibilities, um, you've already narrowed down to video editing. How did you streamline that process from when like the client's like, okay, here's a video to the point that they get what they wanted out of the video? I think this answer is going to go for any type of business out there. It's all based on excitement. The, the client being excited to get started with whatever your business is. Um, you know, for, for example... With us, when someone wants to get started with their brand and they're willing to put that money down to actually do it, that is a massive moment. They are peaking in their excitement and they're showing you with their money. They're like, I'm ready to do this, let's go, here's my money, take it. And we are we are leveraging, and we've done this actually from the start and still do it today, um, we, we put as much work that needs to be done right there with that excitement because they're excited to do it. They're like, okay, yeah, just like give it to me, like whatever I need to do. But like you need my logos, you need my colors, you need my preferences. Okay, let's get that done. Um, we're, we're leveraging that excitement and then taking that workload that is placed up front and then using it for a long period of time. I think it was in the beginning, one of the very first lessons that I learned in just being in a creative space. And this is like before, this is when I was like freelancing is I was I would start to work with someone and then after a long period of time, I would like start to understand what they wanted, start to understand their preferences. But man, if I could have just asked those questions up front, how much more, how much more easy, easier it would have been for us and easier for them to get faster results. Oh my god! Like so, how so, so how up, physically? Upfront, yeah. How physically are you doing the upfront stuff? Was it like an onboarding call, onboarding form? Like, so you said brand mm -hmm. colors, preferences. Like, so how did you get that from them upfront in a systemized way? Yeah. So we uh, and here's the thing. I I tried to automate it as much as you can, but there's some things, especially in a creative. Field, honestly, like even without a creative field, there's some things that you should not be automating. Mm -hmm. There's some things that people love connecting with people. Like, let me just say that first. People love connecting with people, so you can leverage that, like build their off their excitement. And if you think they're excited when they're putting the money down, imagine their excitement when they get their first win. So how can you handhold them through that process and be very specific to show them, hey, here's, here's exactly what you need to do, here's exactly what we need from you to get this win. And once you, set, once you give them that actual win, whether it's, 
a million views on one video, which we've done many times, or uh, their new client in the first like week or two, which we, we end up doing for many people, uh, almost everyone that we work with, that's 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 something that is hard to beat. So it's it's like I said, don't automate some of the things that you know you should not be automating. And let me just say this, I guess looking back on it, I probably did not know that I should not automate some things. Mm. Like I was thinking like, let me just automate everything. Let me delegate everything. Yeah. When really you should do some of those things. And what was, so this was through an onboarding call that you were doing? On, onboarding call. So for example, the difference would be, um, uh, I would just send you an onboarding form, Ravi, and yeah. be like, all right, put your logo here. Uh, give me some descriptions on some of the things that you like and don't like. And uh, let's cross our fingers and hope that we have what we need. Instead, it's, hey, let's get on a call. Let's talk about these things. This is a we're not. This is not black and white. Like my previous experience was finance, so things were very, you know, numbers based. Is like if you go one cent over, you're in the green. If you're one cent below, you're in the red. We're in the we're in the area of gray. And you and you're on so the you got to talk call. through that. Yeah, you're like pulling out of them things that they probably wouldn't have said usually, right? Oh yeah, and that's that's a, a great moment where you can really show your expertise right when you get started with someone. You know, as when 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 you start to have more and more onboarding calls. You'll again listen, like be confident in your word, but some of the things that you're confident in and that you like the most actually don't even mean as much as some of the things that your clients are impressed with. Um, I'll try to think of an example. How about this? Um, I really liked the idea of standing out with your brand and um, just like pa- passion wise, I really like the idea of like the Ravi Abhavala logo like behind you and the color scheme and like how it pops, right? And then it on one of our onboarding calls, like many years ago, we talked about repurposing content, like Gary Vee said, and I just saw our clients light up. Now, this was something that I was just kind of hitting. I was like, yeah, and then we're going to repurpose your content and do this thing. And I remember, I'll never forget, actually, one of the clients we started working with was like, dude, you should have just talked about that because that was the most amazing part of this whole part of this whole onboarding call. And I was, it was just like an aha moment. I was like, I could be so confident in some ways, which I need to be, but I need to keep that ear open and listen to what they're really interested in. And guess what you highlight next time? That area that they're really interested in. Makes you put that in your sales, you put that in your marketing, you put that in your success slash fulfillment. And you, and you ended up doing repurposing. And so like now it'll be, they come in with one long video, mm-hmm. I think typically probably for YouTube, and then you guys chop it up and are able to place it on all platforms, correct? Right now, YouTube, is, and YouTube, depending on when you guys are seeing this, YouTube just came out this past week with uh, some massive updates, um, and they're literally changing everything. Yeah. Um, all the expectations that everyone has on social media right now, YouTube is changing, which is really cool. And it's funny enough, if you were to look at YouTube, it's massive that YouTube is doing this because YouTube is pushing long form greater than any other uh, format. Because they're, you might think of YouTube being like, yeah, of course it's long form. But look what TikTok just did. They just shook the entire social media world. Instagram just basically copied, duped the whole thing, changed their whole algorithm. So now they're pushing reels entirely right now. Um, but then you, you would think YouTube might follow suit because short form content is getting so much reach. And don't get me wrong, YouTube did come out with shorts and they did push that really hard. But even people like Chris Doe, if some of the creatives here know who Chris Doe is, he owns The Future, um, which is a a big marketing agency, has millions of subscribers online. Um, Even he was publicly saying on his YouTube video that his shorts are getting uh, a massive decline in reach, which is a big thing to know. So why is YouTube not pushing shorts as much right now? If you look at their brand new update, like I said, that just came out a week ago, on their entire homepage, every single video that you see in your very first view is 
all long form, not a single short form until you start to scroll down. And only in that second page view uh, do you start to see short form. And it's only currently it's only one row of short form that you have to click into. And if you click into it, you'll go down that rabbit hole. But if you don't, it's just more long form, more long form movies that they're promoting. They know that they YouTube owns something that no other social media platform owns right now, which is long form attention. And for business owners, that is huge. Yes, the short form will give you reach, but that long form is where you really can start to get someone to know you, like you, trust you, and ultimately do business with you. Hey guys, really quickly, if you're getting value out of this, please be sure to share it wherever you share things. Share it with your friends, your colleagues, your employees, share it to somebody that you know needs to hear this message. We put an incredible amount of work into these videos and these episodes for you, and all I ask in return is for simply to share it to somebody else that wants to hear that or needs to hear this message. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I kind of want to pivot now a little sure. bit into the content side of things because sure, sure. obviously you've had a lot of experience. You've helped me grow my brand. Uh, you've helped obviously hundreds of business owners do something similar. You know, I just came back from speaking at Florida State yesterday and like I, I, I just told everyone, I was like, start a YouTube channel. I was like, if, I, I just want to give you guys one thing. Just start a YouTube channel. Like even if you don't know what you want to monetize later yeah. on, it takes a while to get traction, but if I had to put all my eggs in one content basket, it would be on YouTube. I'm very bullish on YouTube. And it 100%. sounds like obviously you are really similar with that as well. I <clears throat> I literally just shot a video on this for our own brand. Um, and, and I was just saying, if you were to, especially with this recession that is inevitable and arguably already happening, um, if you're an entrepreneur looking to invest your time, energy, and money into social media, the the big thing you want to consider is something that's going to give you a quick return, yes, but also a uh, long return as well. So I'm 100% like YouTube is priority number one because they are pushing that long form and they're pushing short form where you're not, I mean, imagine going to Instagram or TikTok and having someone watch a 17 minute long video. Not, not going to happen, at least not yet. Um, go to YouTube, people watch a 30 minute video Easily, like yeah. I've done that multiple times, over sure. and over again. Um, but that's that's a great thing for entrepreneurs to leverage is using that short form content to reach people, uh, and that long form content to get them in the door, nurture them inside that moment, and you can absolutely close people. Which is our biggest thing is we're not here just to make you famous. We work with famous people. We work with massive influencers with millions and hundreds of thousands of subscribers, which is much harder to do than getting millions of followers on TikTok. Yeah. Um, but they work with us because we know they know that our strategy is all about monetization. And so maybe just a little golden nugget for your viewers here. What what our strategy, the baseline of our strategy is off of a binge watching experience. Not just to get someone in to watch one video, but the, and then and then go to the next cat video that they were excited about watching, but to get them hooked with one video to watch another and another, and another, and then finally get ready to do business with you. As Gary Vee says, jab, 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 right hook, right? Like give, 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 and then ask. So how do you do that leveraging what the platforms are giving you today? So on long form, for YouTube, for example, have one give at the end of your first video, give. At the end of the second video, give. At the end of the third, give. At the end of the fourth, that's the time to ask. Right? You should have one going to the next. There's some really incredible uh, channels that are doing this right now. And what is it allowing them to do? It's allowing them to get more subscribers because they're asking them to, like, hey, in two days, I'm going to drop this video on microphones. Right? Uh, subscribe so you don't miss it. 
they're getting subscriptions from those three videos, and then on that fourth one, they're monetizing. So and when you, and when the you, same thing applies to short form. So when you're saying the the having them tie into each other, are you saying that the, the topics of one ties into the other? And you're talking about that in the last video, exactly. Okay, which is crucial, right? That's how a that's how a Netflix series gets you to binge watch yeah. their episodes. Same thing, and and look at. Um, you know, there's there's a channel called uh, Film Booth, for example, who does a crazy good job with this. He will hook you in talking about microphones in the first video, but it's only to tee you up to talk about cameras in the next video, and then to talk about lighting in the final video, and then in the or, or in the third video, and then in the final video, it's talking about how to set it all up within your podcast studio. And are you literally? Because I I agree with what you're saying, and I know that YouTube actually does promote videos more if you're watching. Like the algorithm will pick up if someone goes to watch Max's video and then they watch four videos in. in in a row that shows YouTube that you're doing everything right and they'll promote your videos more. So I want to talk about that a little bit more in depth because I think that's an awesome piece of advice. So are you literally saying at the end of the video, like, all right, so if you like this lighting video, you, what you want to do is check this next like camera video out. Yeah. How does that work so that people are tying those together? Yeah, and, and this is something that I see entrepreneurs get wrong all the time is they're like, ah, I'm feeling really hot on this one idea. Let me just go rip this, post it, and cross my fingers that hopefully a, a bunch of people see it and pay me a bunch of money from it. God bless. <laughs> like that's not the right that's strategy. Terrible. Oh, Jack, <laughs> yeah, we've been yeah. doing this wrong this oh, whole time. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry to break it. No, I mean, take a step back, right? Like, what what is a part of uh, what is a part of the whole strategy? Is to is to use that one topic and then take them from that one topic and either go deeper on it or to go broader on it. For example, I could talk about microphones in the first video. Maybe I want to go deeper. Maybe the next video is about wiring. Maybe this, uh, the third video is about audio adjustments once you use that microphone. Or I want to go broader. Maybe I want to go from microphone to camera to lighting. Um, there, like I said, YouTube just came out with an update last week. Um, and it used to be called uh, Videos Per Viewer where you could look at your analytics and see how many videos, if they if they watch this video, how many more videos are they watching per viewer? And I believe they just changed the name of it, but it's a really pivotal uh, analytic to take note of. Even Sean Cannell from Think Media yeah. says this is a, a big one. We just had him on our at. podcast as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. Yeah. And so um, he, he was just pushing this on one of his videos, and I, it really stuck out to me. And I was like, yeah, that, that's something that our, our folks should really take note of, is to get them into that binge-watching series. So if you're looking at that analytic, and you only see one video, right, or two, how can you make that two into four or four into eight, right? Like some of the top channels, you watch a, uh, even if it's a Sean Cannell or Mr. Beast video, um, you're going to watch that one video, and it's going to be so good that it just leads into the next one. It's like, if you like this video about microphones, the obvious next step is to learn about cameras, or the obvious next step is to learn how the heck to use this for a podcast, right? You got to make it obvious so it just like flows right into that next video without skipping a beat at all. I want to talk about the jab part now, right? Yep. So you, we talked about, um, what is it, hook, hook, hook. Right? Yeah, jab, 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 right yeah. hook. Oh, that's what it is. Uh, jab, 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 right hook. And so I want to talk about the right hook the now, right? right? Hook. So how do you make, this is a question I get a lot as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we, in all honesty, I went from, so we've been doing YouTube for a while now and yep. really trying to grow the channels. And I've paid a lot of money to a lot of different people, learned from a lot of people, including yourself. And one of the recent guys we worked with as well talked about average viewer engagement. How long do they watch the video itself? Watch time. And so exactly, watch time. So what we started doing was like literally we'll end the video like at the end of a sentence and there's no call to action. There's no like, comment, subscribe. And we mm -hmm. actually have seen our average watch time increase by like, 
10 to 20%, which is right. massive, like really, really huge. And in the beginning, I'm not starting with like, what's going on, guys? My name is Rodri Vala. I run a company called I We're just like, in this video, I'm going to show you and we get straight to it. So yes. let's cut down our videos and increase our watch time, which nice. is huge for YouTube. Um, and so we don't even make any calls to action anymore. We don't make any calls to action. Uh, and we still get hundreds of booked calls to our YouTube, uh, to our company every single month. Yep. So I want to preface this with, you know, for those of you that are so worried about the calls to action, I personally don't think it's actually required, but I know you that can some ask people do without it. ask. Yeah. So that what do I, so let's walk through what does that look like? Yeah. So um, th let me just hit watch time real quick because okay. watch time leads to your call to action. Great. Like your call to action, even if you have one or don't have one at the end, it doesn't matter if you don't have watch time. So let's talk about that real quick. Uh, for example. There are videos on uh, YouTube. We're talking a lot about YouTube right now, but honestly, this goes for every platform. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn. Let's be on the lookout for Twitter's comeback, by the way. Yeah. Elon's doing some crazy stuff right now that I think entrepreneurs should really be taking note of. Um, but that's a different topic for a different time. When you think about your watch time, you want to be thinking about how long you can keep people watching your video. Why is that important to you? Well, to you, it's important because you want to bring them to the end of the video where finally you might have a call to action or it's just to simply give them more value so that they learn more from you and they know you more and they trust you more. Um, but let's think about the platform's point of view, which I think entrepreneurs, like even myself, we get cocky and we like to be like, yes, this is what I love, so this is yep. what we should do. But oftentimes you should probably look at, like we said earlier, what, what do your clients love? Or in this case, what do the platforms love? What do the platforms love for you to do? They love for you to keep people on their platform. Yeah. YouTube wants you to keep them on their on YouTube. Instagram wants you to keep them on Instagram. Why is because once they get bored, they're going to go to their email. They're going to go to Slack or whatever else or they're going to exit out completely. So, when you think about your watch time and this is actually the perfect transition to call to actions, give valuable topics absolutely. And how you give such valuable topics, we could look at people doing a really good job right now, like the Hermoses, right? Layla, Alex and Layla Hermosi are blowing up right now. Even just Alex alone is so good at giving frameworks. And why is he so good at it? It's because typically he'll lead with a story and then explain why that story was so relevant, right? Why, how someone could take action from that story. And what, what business owners could do a great job with, even if you're just starting and you only have one client that you've worked with, you could use that client as the story or use yourself as the story. And what does that do? It allows you to ask without asking. Because we actually just did this within our, within our own videos. I did a video breaking down Alex Ramosi's um, brand. And uh, this is a few months ago. And that one video generated us over $100,000. Oh, wow. So pretty killer. And, you're, and by the way, I have like a small audience. We don't have massive numbers by any means. So how the heck were we able to monetize so well? We talked about an influencer in the space, someone, someone or something. You could also talk about things like a microphone or a person, um, someone or something that's trending in the space. Then as we gave value throughout, we were incorporating some little case studies on how Alex Ramosi is editing his videos for YouTube, for Shorts, for all these different platforms. And we're like, oh, by the way, that's exactly what we do, yeah. right? Just little plugs. So all of a sudden, you're able to give this ask without seeming like that salesy douchebag who nobody likes to listen to on social media. And you're able to monetize. Why were keeping... you laughing? Were you looking at me when you said that? Was that what that was? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about like every other entrepreneur on social media. Everyone's listening to this right now. Is like, is he talking to me? <laughs> right. The you, no. the he is. If you're thinking that, I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, yeah, no. That's that's honestly, I hate to make it that simple because us entrepreneurs love to complicate things. 
but get rid of your complications. Keep it as simple as giving a relatable story on how you've done this or maybe your clients have done this and watch how many of your viewers just trust you more and are like, wait, I want to learn a little bit more. Boom, they enter the funnel, which that's a whole different discussion on the funnel experience, but boom, they enter the funnel and then all of a sudden do work with you because they were just so impressed from the get-go. It wasn't some upsell, downsell, crazy thing. It, it just made sense from the first impression, which I think is very important. I love it. I love it. Last thing I want to talk to you about really quickly is, um, you know, obviously I don't follow, I think I follow 30 people on Instagram right now uh, and you're one of them and we stay in touch. And I, I, one of the things I really love about you is actually the same, you know, quote unquote compliment that people give me, which is like, wow, it actually seems that you enjoy your life, right? Like you're actually living life. And it's funny because every time I try to hang out with you, you're usually in like <laughs> at a wedding somewhere or you're in the mountains in a cabin somewhere by yourself and you can't even talk. Uh, and you're just, you told me, hey, I'm here at the podcast. I'm driving down to the Keys this weekend yep. right now, right? To go to a bachelor party, which I love. And you're going surfing. You're um, uh, you're doing these like green initiatives. I'm not working at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I, I am, and it's funny. I, I joke around the That's same thing. That's a joke. Thing. <laughs> I, I joke that same thing because right. we were like, you know, I went and spoke at an event recently and they're like, I want you to talk about how you never work. And I'm like, well, I do work, yeah. right? But but I think you do have this nice kind of like harmony of your business and work. So I kind of, if you can explain a little bit about that because that's probably the question that I get the most often yeah. when you're not talking about business. It's like, how do you balance this whole thing? Like you're, you know, it's called work and life, right? Yeah. Um, so how have you found that? Like, was that something that like, was there a catalyst to that? Um, or, or is this something that slowly happened over time for you to be able to, really enjoy your life while also building a, yeah. a significant business. Um, big mistake in the beginning. And I don't know if you were the same, but I was naive in the beginning to to look at these entrepreneurs who were promoting, you know, like the, the four-hour work week book. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, like, that's incredible. I want to work four hours and then just totally sign off. Little did I know, at least in, in my own journey, how long that would take, because that did take a long time. Honestly, it, it only happened probably in the past handful of months where I actually now work like four to eight hours a week. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's there's some pushes that we do where I, I'm gung-ho and I'm working 12 hours a day yeah. plus. Um, but it's, it's all because um, I was able to put leaders into the right sections. But how do you even, how do you even get to the point where you can place a leader into the right section? I mean, basically every business has sales, uh, marketing, sales, and fulfillment. Um, those are the top three areas that I have leaders across the board uh, in my team right now. They are killers. You guys know who you are if you're watching this video. They're incredible people. Um, the The way that I got up to that point is I had to, and at least, I mean, this is my journey and what I believe, is I had to master those three areas to really, and, and don't get me wrong, like I came from fucking scratch. I know there's people who, get into business and they get this massive funding. I was broke, like as fuck. Like you, you know this, I got down to like rock bottom at well, one you did, point. You had to do some things, I, right? We won't talk about it in this video. <laughs> we won't talk about but that. But you had to do some things uh, we, we, had to, we had to do an exclaimer before this, yeah, not talking yeah, about some yeah, of those things. Yeah. But uh, no, I, it's it's true because I I didn't, I came from a great background, great family. Uh, they they teed me up for success. And honestly, I blew it. Like I, I took everything that they gave me and like, Without really even meaning to, I just threw it all away. And little, like before I knew it, I had basically like like 
two digits in my bank account at one point, and that was very scary. Um, and I say that because while other people might be able to quickly hire leaders to be put into their team, I know some other people are here looking at that four-hour work week, coming from a similar background of, hey, listen, man, I'm broke. I can't pay for a leader to join my team, so what do I got to do? Here's your action plan. You got to get you literally have to put the work in to do the sales calls you don't want to do, to do the marketing content that gets you out of your comfort zone, and to do the fulfillment that gets you out of your ego to do the things that you don't love to do, but the things that your clients love from you. Yeah. Right. And that from those things, I was able to really master them. And over a long period of time, I was able to train up those people. Um, Alex uh, is one of my uh, top people in my company right now. He was one of my first employees, um, and he's still with us today. And it was over years of training that I was able to get him to to be at the leadership position that he is today. Um, and then finally, it was going back to that wheel. Is finally I'm in that position where I do push it, and if I touch it, if I touch the wheel, I'm adding friction, and it's going to slow the team down. And I need to be careful with how much time or how much focus I put in because they're doing such a damn good job running it. And uh, and that's a pretty epic feeling to get yeah. into. And so now I can go surf or go with family, and you know I'm about to visit a, a close buddy who I grew up with in pre-K, and we're still buds. So yeah, and you just bought a house. Just bought a house. You're like doing adult things now. You uh, know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah not even to mention some other yeah, things, yeah. but yeah. But it is, and, and I think that's yeah. really commendable as well that you like build. And I love that that reference of the wheel, and like I think that's cool. Everyone's I actually haven't heard that. Like everyone's heard the push it, and then, and then like it starts rolling, and then it's easier once it starts rolling. But I haven't heard the yeah. But if you touch it while it's rolling, you're actually adding friction to yeah. it, which I think is huge. That was um a big takeaway for me. Um, Dude, epic podcast. Yeah. I learned a lot. It's always great catching up with you. Um, if people are listening to this right now and they're like, yeah, I love talking to Max. Maybe I actually want help growing my brand. I need help with a creative yeah. assistant, like the end-to-end. -end, and obviously, you're one of the best in the space to do it. What's the best place or how do people get in contact with you to learn a little bit more? Yeah, it's I'm super easy to find on every platform. Uh, either Maxwell Mueller uh, or video editing experts. I mean, do the quick search. We're we're all over the place. We practice what we preach. Love it, awesome yeah. man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. And we will see you guys in the next episode.